Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca and streaming on your preferred podcast player of choice. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our spot, and I'm on your way go. We invaded airwaves. Why them haters mad? Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, they be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Indeed, indeed. We got a live show for for you guys to get to tonight. Um. There is so much happening, so much. We got to talk about the Grammys. We got to talk about uh, 21 Savage about to be deported. We got to talk about a whole bunch of things. But before we get to all of that, you guys already know how I do at the beginning of the show. I got some stuff to get off my chest. So with that being said, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. <laughs> Yes, so let's get into this, shall we? So, before we get into the 21 Savage stuff, before we get into the meat of tonight's episode, uh, I gotta go into ball is life mode. So, you guys already know, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of basketball. I talk about it, I write about it, I watch it, I live it, I breathe it. And if you are a basketball fan, hell, if you're just a general sports fan altogether, then you know that we had, by far, one of the craziest and intense trade days of all time. Not even just trade days, but the days leading up to the actual trade deadline. So the the last, I would say, 10 days has been a whirlwind of transactions that have gone down. <clears throat> so I'm not going to break down all of them. I'm just going to break down the main ones, which will be the Raptors, because, you know, Toronto, we the North, you already know. And also, I'm going to break down um, the trade that did not happen between the Lakers and the Pelicans. But for sure, let's talk about the Raptors first. So the Raptors, <clears throat> pardon me, the Raptors have traded Jonas Valanciunas. They have traded DeLon Wright. They have traded CJ Miles and a future second round pick in 2024 for the rights to Mark Gasol. Now, I found there to be a lot of people split on this trade. A lot of people were kind of upset with the fact that they had to part ways with JV and a lot of the younger guys that came onto the team. But then there are a lot of people who are very excited and optimistic about it. Now, for me personally, I like the trade. I'm not excited about the trade. I'm not over the hill with it, but I like it. I think it's a solid trade. It's not splashy. It's not sexy or anything like that. It's just the right and smart trade. And keep in mind, this trade wasn't a reaction to what had transpired with Philly by them getting Tobias Harris or with uh, Nikola Miritich going over to Milwaukee. It was a smart and sound trade that had been in the, the works for the last week or so. There are possible talks of Gasol and Conley coming to the squad for JV and potentially Kyle Lowry. But obviously, those talks fell through. And essentially, what ended up happening, as we all know, is that Gasol came for JV, for DeLon Wright, for CJ Miles, and for that future pick. <clears throat> now, here's what I want to remind people, for the people who weren't a fan of it. So, there are people who weren't a fan of 
the trade because they felt as though we were giving away too much. Well, let me remind you what we were giving away. And first and foremost, it has to be said that JV, DeLon, CJ were quality contributors to the team for the time that they were there, especially with JV being the longest tenured Raptor. So definitely their presence is going to be missed as well, just not from a player perspective, but just from a human perspective as well. They're all great guys. So definitely thank you for their time in Toronto, and I hope they do very well uh, in Memphis or wherever else their NBA careers carries them. Uh, With that said, here is what we basically traded away. So we traded away CJ Miles, who – was known as a three-point specialist, but to be honest, he was struggling with the three this entire year. For reasons beyond our comprehension, we don't know why, but that was just how it was going down for ZJ. I mean, he's usually a career 38% shooter from three-point range, but this year, just over 30%. So, unfortunately, it wasn't cutting it for us. Then we traded away DeLon Wright, who at times felt a bit inconsistent with his with his play, with his level of play. We know him to be a very crafty, uh, methodical ball handler, but there are just times where he made poor decisions, you know, when he had the ball in his hands. He wasn't stroking it like you would normally stroke it from. And it's just not the type of play that we were that we were needing from him because of the fact that we had expectations, or we currently have expectations that we gotta be as close to perfect as possible in order for us to make our run into the finals. And it seems as though he just didn't fit that print. On top of that, you have to consider the fact that we had such a logjam at that guard position as well. So something had to give in that regard. And then when it comes to JV, JV was steadily improving. A steadily improving big man who added the three-point jumper, who was getting a bit better at the pick-and-roll defense, um, but was always a solid rebound, always, always a solid rebounder, always a solid post-score and what have you. Um, but I think... When it comes to Gasol, he Gasol is basically what everything that JV is, but the main difference is that he's a much better defender, and on top of that, he's a much better passer out of the post as well. Outside of Nikola Jokic, Gasol is the best passing big man in, in, in the league today, and I think that's exactly what we needed. On top of that, veteran presence and a, and a higher IQ, and that's no knock on JV. It just comes with age. I mean, he's 34 right now in comparison to 26. A lot more mileage on him. And the beauty about this trade is that we don't have to rely on Marcus Gasol to be the, the number one option. We can rely on him to be anywhere between the second option to the fourth option because you still have Pascal Siakam, who is balling out of his mind right now, and then you still have Kyle Lowry. And I know Kyle Lowry has been a bit of a question mark this year, so we can only hope that we get the best possible version of Lowry going into the postseason as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. So overall, I think it was a smart trade. And for those people who are saying, oh, how come we could have gotten Anthony Davis? Well, here's the thing. Let's say we were somehow able to get Anthony Davis. That means that if we were to have gotten Anthony Davis in that trade, we would have lost Pascal. We would have lost OG. We already would have lost JV, and we already would have lost um, uh, the DeLon Wright. On top of that, We would have lost two first-round picks. And for the last two or three years, we have been trading away our first-round picks. So for a team that is trying to prepare itself for the possibility of Kawhi leaving in the offseason, it doesn't leave you a whole lot of room to build for the future. And when you talk about guys like Pascal Siakam, like OG Ananobi, those two guys in particular, you need somewhat of a cushion to build for your future going forward. And if we don't have that, then you're basically saying all or nothing. And I don't think that should be the mentality 
you know, the drastic mentality, so to speak. Because, yeah, we're going all in, but we're going all in methodically. We're not just throwing the kitchen sink at you like like the Lakers are trying to do with LeBron. Or, sorry, not with LeBron, but with AD, rather. It just doesn't make sense. Like, Masai is not going to hemorrhage that team to that degree. He's going to tinker with it. But tinker with it to the point where you can still seamlessly put certain guys in to fill a particular role and not lose the team chemistry in that regard. So I think this is a sound move from G, uh, from uh, Masai Ujiri. <clears throat> and hopefully it's going to pay dividends. And it just makes the Eastern Conference that much more competitive. Uh, I'm still obviously, as a fan, I'm still pulling for them to make it out of the East and into the NBA Finals. But this year's Eastern Conference playoffs race is going to be intense. And that second round is going to be a blood sport. There is going to be blood on the court. Oh, my God. I cannot wait for the springtime. It's going to be crazy. And real quick before we, before we go to the next segment, uh, when it comes to the, the, the Lakers, man, as a proud Laker hater, Man, this is a good week. This is a good week. To know that the Lakers were willing to trade away their young guys on top of the guys that they signed in the summer, the, the grizzled veterans, and do away with three first-round picks, all for AD? And the fact that the Pelicans still said no? Oh, my God. Yo, that is putting this on a whole other level. Like, I'm thinking to myself, Yo, New Orleans, you're crazy. Like, I don't like the Lakers, but you're getting one big-ass haul. Like, you got to take that. But then I'm also thinking to myself, it's probably smart for them not to take that trade because they've already seen, and by they I mean the Pelicans, they've already seen how the Lakers play without LeBron. So why bring that and transfer that over into New Orleans when you want a shot of of having a player who's going to be competitive and who could possibly lead you into the future. That's why they're holding out for, for, for Boston in the summertime. So it makes perfect sense. So, so if their plans include trading away Jalen Brown, yes, Jason Tatum specifically, and then let's say a Terry Rozier, for example, if they're able to do some sort of sign-and-trade combination, then of course that's what you want to hold out for. You don't want to hold out for a guy that you for guys that you already know can't get it done. You want to go for guys who have gotten it done already without their star player. Obviously, it's going to be a lot more difficult in the Western Conference, but you have at least seen an inkling of what their potential could be when paired together. So I get it from that standpoint that they would much rather just wait to see what Boston offers in the offseason. And on top of that, you never want to trade to a competitor within your conference as well. That's just bad business in the NBA. Unless the offer is right, but I'm just saying. But either way, as a Laker hater, I'm glad the 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 silver spooned Lakers didn't get what they felt like they were entitled to. So screw them, and I'm glad Del Dem stuck it to them as well. Um, but either way, that was the 2019 trade season in the NBA. What did you guys think of it? Either way, hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break. We got to get into Grammy talk. The Grammys are this weekend, and we have our official list of nominees. We're not going to go through the entire list of nominees. We're going to go through the ones that pertain within hip-hop and R&B, and we're going to make our predictions as to who will come out of their bracket as the winner of their category. So keep it locked, and we'll be right back after this break. Yeah. Uh, Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Now, let's get into the main topic of the evening, all right? 
Let us talk about the Grammys. So the Grammys are this Sunday, as of this recording, um, and we have a lot of nominees uh, within the hip-hop and R&B community, and I'm very much so looking forward to seeing these acts win. I would like to see them win, but, you know, the, the Grammys can be a little funny sometimes, but we, we shall see. And I'm not going to break down all the categories. I'm just going to break down the ones, uh, more the more major ones that these artists are now in, or currently in, I should say. So with that said, let us begin the speculation, shall we? So there are a ton of categories to choose from. So what we're going to do is we're going to do somewhat of a countdown, if you will. All right. So we're going to break them down from maybe least popular to most popular. Um, I wouldn't even know what that would entail outside of the top three being, you know, album of the year, song of the year, and then record of the year, I would say. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to mix it up. But I'm going to save those three for last in particular. So with that said, let me start off with best R&B album, since that's the one I kind of see in front of me right now. So as far as best R&B album is concerned, there is... Actually, let's go to Best R&B Performance. Let's go to that first, all right? So Best R&B Performance, we got uh, Long As I Live from Tony Braxton, Summer from the Carters, uh, YLY, Lala Hathaway, Best Part, Her featuring Daniel Caesar, uh, First Began, PJ Morton. So out of those five, as far as who I think is going to win, I think, you know, objectively speaking, um, I think it's going to be her featuring Dale Caesar, and whom I want to win that award is going to be her featuring Daniel Caesar. I think her is one of the breakout artists of the year. Um, she sounds like she sounds like she's aged, um, you know, gracefully, but she's still very young in this business and just young overall as well. Like she's wise behind beyond her years as far as being a musician and a recording artist and a songwriter is concerned and she has a ton of potential so i definitely see her winning that category so let's go into best traditional r&b performance uh actually no let's not let's not do that one that one's more for the more i guess contemporary uh so to speak let's go to best r&b song <clears throat> pardon me so we have boot up from lma uh we have come through and chill from uh, J. Cole and Miguel. Well, Miguel featuring J. Cole, I should say. Uh, we have Feels Like Summer, Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. Uh, we have Focus with her once again. And then we also have Long As I Live from Tony Braxton. As far as who I think is going to win this category, um, I would say, I mean, this is a very, this is a strong category. Who, as far as who I think is going to win this one, I would say, I would probably say Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. As far as who I want to win this category, I think Gambino just edges them out as far as who I would personally want. Because if you guys were listening to our um, year-end special, Feels Like Summer was one of my top five singles of the year. And I would love for this record to win the Grammy for uh, Best R&B Song because I think that song was crazy. So here's to Gambino. I think Gambino is due for a Grammy this year. 
Um, the Grammys have eluded him for whatever reason, but I think this is the year where he gets at least one Grammy, at least. I mean, he already has an Emmy for being a, a screenplay writer for 30 Rock. Uh, he He's already been, I think, did he win a, in a, I think he may have won an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken, for for uh, Atlanta. It was either that or, or SAG Awards, one of the two. But either way, he's due for a Grammy. I think he... He gets his Grammy this weekend. That's my prediction. I think he gets his Grammy this weekend. Uh, but let's go over to our next category, which is uh, Best Urban Contemporary Album. This is always a funny, interesting name. Best Urban Contemporary. What does that mean exactly? Anyways, that's another part for another day. But nonetheless, here are the, the uh, nominees for that. Everything is Love from the Carters, so Jay and Beyonce. Uh, the Kids Are All Right, Chloe and Haley, or, or Hallie, pardon me. Uh, the protégés of Beyonce, who did an excellent job with the with the national anthem. Uh, we also have Chris and Chris, Dave, and the Drumheads. I'm not too familiar with them. Uh, we have War and Leisure from Miguel, and uh, Ventriloquism from Michelle. Oh, I, I I'm not even gonna. Ooh, should I even try pronouncing this name? I, I'm just going to say Michelle, out of respect, because that name looks very Nigerian to pronounce, okay? So I'm not going to even try to attempt. Listen, I'm, I'm half Nigerian, so I can say that, all right? But nonetheless, those are the um, the cat- or the nominees within that category. Um, as far as who I think is going to win that, probably J&B, because they're the most recognizable names on there. Uh, as far as who I would want to win that, I'm not so sure if I'm really invested in this category because there's only one album that I've listened to in, in this particular category. So I don't know if I'm really invested in it. Um, but it would be dope to see uh, Miguel win that award because I don't, I haven't really seen him that active uh, on the music front. Maybe I'm just not checking him out, but it seems like he's been very low-key, but he's had a low-key resurgence, so to speak. So it would be nice to see him uh, get the award for that. Uh, and now let's go over to Best R&B Album. I'm just making sure that I'm hitting all the ones so far on my checklist as far as R&B goes. And it looks like I'm doing that, so that's good on me. Um, yes, Best R&B Album. Um, we have Sex and Cigarettes from Tony Braxton, who's in this, these categories a lot, I'm, I'm noticing. Uh, good Thing from Leon Bridges. Honestly from Lala Hathaway. Her with her self-titled debut. Uh, and Gumbo Unplugged with PJ Morton. As far as who I want to win this award, I would like to see her win this award. Because, again, she has limitless potential. Like, she could be one of the next greats. Like, that's how confident in her ability that I am. Um, and then as far as who I think is going to win this award, I'll say this. If her doesn't win the Best New Artist Award, she may very well win this award, which is Best R&B Album. Personally, I think she should win both, but of course, politics. Uh, so if she doesn't win the Best New Artist Award, then she will win this award as compensation. So we'll see how that goes. So we are kind of transitioning out of the R&B categories. So the next one I have on the deck is the uh, Rap Sung Collaborations. I'm just trying to find that right now because I want to trans- I want that to be the, the between uh, between R&B and, and the rap categories. I think I may have passed it on here. But while I'm looking for that, um, I am excited that there are a lot of acts within the hip-hop and R&B community that are being well-represented. And it, it kind of sounds like a talking point that we always go through each year. It's like, yeah, you know, Jay's nominated and, and, and Kendrick is nominated, but they don't win out. They don't win out. 
Um, I think people are usually pointing towards the more mainstream categories, like the best album uh, category and the best uh, or the record of the year, the song of the year, things of that nature. And I think those are the awards that a lot of people kind of get disappointed at when they end up when when they find out that they don't win. And I can understand that because it's the more um, mainstream award, essentially. It's the more mainstream awards, more sexy awards, so to speak. So I can understand why people are mad about that. Now, as I'm going through the list, what I didn't realize is there's actually a music video category. And I don't know if this is something new that uh, the Grammys implemented, but I feel like that would be more of like an MTV thing, but I'm not mad at it. And I'm actually looking forward to it somewhat because of the fact that in 2018, my personal opinion at least, the arts of the music video made a resurgence. And so much so that I decided to uh, make that as a category for my year-end special. Because I can't remember the last time where I was so invested in music videos. Every year, there's always an odd music video that catches my attention, but not enough to start the conversation about music videos and what have you. But this year, man, it came back like gangbusters. So, with that said, let's get into the category for uh, best music video slash film, as they put it. So, they have uh, Ape Shit, The Carters, This Is America, Childish Gambino, I'm Not Racist, Joyner Lucas, Pink, Janelle Monet. Mumbo Jumbo, uh, Tierra Whack, and that's about it, actually, as far as that uh, category is concerned. Now, the only videos I haven't seen in this category are Pink from Janelle Monet and Mumbo Jumbo from Tierra Whack. Uh, with that said, if I had to you know, make my own personal prediction as far as who I would like to see win that award... This is America, hands down. Hands down, should win that award. It, like, I would love to see that award win. Uh, as far as who will win, like, what's the more objective decision that the Grammy committee will go with? I think the safe bet will be the ape, sh- will be ape shit with the Carters. Uh, and I know Pink, or sorry, I know Janelle Monet has very eccentric music videos from time to time. I haven't seen this video, but I assume it's within that eccentric realm. Uh, so I would say either... Ape shit or pink. Mind you, I haven't seen pink before. But again, like she has very eccentric videos and she's uh, somewhat of a darling to the Grammys, I would say. So I could see her win that and I wouldn't even be mad because that's Janelle Monet. Like she's dope. Um, I'm glad to see Joyner Lucas in this because Joyner Lucas, for the most part, uh, kind of has like the underground rapper aesthetic. And you, it's not often that you see someone from that ilk be mentioned within, you know, Grammy conversation. So I'm glad that that video is being recognized in that regard. Uh, I would love to see This is America win that, though. I just don't know if the Grammy committee is ready to give that award to such a quote-unquote controversial video, but it's essentially a reflection of the times that we're in, so I don't see why there should be hesitation with that. But again, that's just me, all right? So let's go on to some other categories now. Um, Let's see here. Let's Which one? You know what? If I don't come across the best rap song uh, collaboration category, that's fine. I can just skip that. Uh, but I really want to get into the rap stuff now because, you know, that's the crux of all of this, right? So let's get into the rap stuff. I'm just going to search for that right now. Um, but, yeah, as I'm searching for that, again, like the whole the music video resurgence, I mean, I'm assuming this has to be a new category because this category I don't remember coming across before. And this is also remin- uh, reminiscent of... 
when the uh, when the uh, Grammys instituted that category for. Um, best uh, streamed albums or something like that. Best album on streaming platform. I don't know the exact name of the of the category, but essentially it was awarded to artists who only released their their uh, their uh, what's it called their. Their albums, sorry, their albums on on digital platform, basically. So I thought I thought I thought that was cool. They're they're being a bit more modern in that regard, uh, but yeah, definitely, I think that was dope. Um, let's go to you know what. Speaking of videos and, and what have you, there's also a category that they have called best song written for visual media, and I was assuming that that was music videos essentially, but I'm guessing this could be seen for music videos, for documentaries, for films. So essentially, it is a, an amalgamation of all those things. And I'll list off all the ca- all the uh, artists that are, are named on here and all their projects. So all the stars uh, from the Black Panther album, so Kendrick and SZA, um, Mystery of Love from Souf Jan Stevens, Remember Me from the movie Coco, um, Shallow from the film The Star is Born, so that's Lady Gaga right there. Uh, and then This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, which is also a big movie that came out late 2018, I believe. Um, personally speaking, I want all the stars to win, okay? All the stars, I don't care. All right? That's that. <laughs> uh, so let's see here. Best score soundtrack for visual media. Okay, there's another big one. So again, Black Panther. Uh, this is for score, not album, but score. So the music that you hear within the film that accentuates the the scenes or what have you. So the, uh, Black Panther from Lud- Ludwig Gordonson, who is also uh, a frequent collaborator of Gambino. Uh, Blade Runner, Coco, Shape of Water, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, I think honestly. You could call me standing for this. I don't care. But I personally think that not only do I think that Black Panther should win this uh, category, category, but it will win this category. Like, the score for that film was crazy. So let's keep it moving now. Um, I'm still looking for the rap category. Uh, let's see, because, again, that's the crux of this whole conversation, right? So rap category should be interesting. I do remember a few of the nominees in that list. And I feel like they got this list right. They got they got the list right last year, to be completely fair. And it sounds like they're doing a better job of getting things right as far as that category is concerned. Because we all remember that year, which was 2013, when Kendrick Lamar should have ran away uh, with that award for his Good Kid, Mad City album. But instead, they gave it to Macklemore for the heist. And while I don't doubt that it that it was a good album, it wasn't the best album. He had the popular singles. Like, if you want to give it, like, best rap song, cool. But the best rap album, it, it was Kendrick. It was Kendrick. It was Kendrick. All right? So, speaking of which, uh, best rap album category. We are here. Uh, Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B. Swimming, Mac Miller. Victory Lap, Nipsey Hussle. Daytona, Pusha T. And World, Travis Scott. This is a very strong category very strong and i would say as far as who i would want to win in this category i am going to go with nipsey hustle yes i'm going to go with nipsey hustle he's not my favorite rapper i don't listen to him regularly but i heard very good things about this album and I guess the main reason why I would want him to win this uh, this award is because of the fact, like, very similar to 
to um, Joyner Lucas, he has somewhat of a very underground aesthetic. And it's good. It, it would be a good look for the Grammys to recognize all rappers, whether they're mainstream or quote-unquote underground or somewhere in between. And I think it would be a good look to recognize an album that was critically acclaimed by uh, a whole bunch of media publications within hip-hop and maybe just outside of hip-hop as well. But it would also be a good look to see an artist like him get that award. I think that would be dope. Uh, with that said, however, who I think is going to win is most likely going to be Cardi B. And I'm not even mad at that either because she had a very hot year. She was all over the place. She had number one singles or top ten singles at the very least popping off. She was on a lot of collaborations. Um, she did her thing in 2018, so I can't even knock her. I could see them giving the award to to uh, Mac Miller mainly because he he passed away, and I feel like award shows in general, regardless of which one it is, always have the tendency of giving posthumous awards to people who passed away within the year, as somewhat of like a sympathy thing. And I don't want them to do that. I want them to do that knowing that it was a strong project or a strong body of work that they put out. And I'm not saying that it's not from Mac Miller because I haven't listened to the album, so I can't make that judgment call. I just don't want them to say, oh, well, that person died, so I guess we'll give the award to that person. I don't want them to do that. I want it to be sincere. So we'll see what happens with that. So that goes there. There goes for uh, the best rap album category. Now we're going to go into best rap song. And this is another strong uh, category right here. God's Plan from Drake, King's Dead from, this one's technically a, uh, a J-Rock single, uh, but they have Kendrick Lamar listed as the primary artist on, on this, out, on this uh, record. So, sure, we'll give it to Kendrick Lamar. Um, Lucky You, uh, which is Eminem featuring Joyner Lucas. Um, Sickle Mode, Travis Scott featuring Drake. And then Win, that's a J-Rock record for sure. So J-Rock featuring Kendrick Lamar. This is a very strong... Okay, first and foremost, I love the fact that TDE is in, like, a shit ton of categories this year, all right? And J-Rock is in two of them uh, thus far. Uh, or two songs in one, I should say, in a category. Um, Man, as far as who I would want to win this award, I would say... I'm going to say... Or which song, rather. I'm going to say King's Dead, J-Rock and Kendrick, and... Future with that classic verse of his, <laughs> um, and even Win Win's a dope record too. I don't think that that has a chance of winning, to be honest. But I do love that record. But it would dope. It would be dope if Win would win, 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 win that award. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. I had to. Uh, but as far as who I think is going to win this award, it's probably going to be Drake, most likely, or it could even be uh, Travis Scott because Drake is on that record. And Travis Scott is uh, married to a Kardashian slash Jenner, so he has that pull as well. Either way, it's a strong category. I'm not mad with any outcome, but I would personally like to see Kendrick come out on top uh, of this category. And then, okay, here we go. Now we have it. Best rap song performance. Let's get into this real quick. Uh, like I Do, Christina Aguilera featuring Gold Link. Pretty Little Fears, Black featuring J. Cole. This is America, Childish Gambino. Uh, all the stars, Kendrick Lamar and SZA, and then rock star Post, Lamo, Post Malone featuring Twenty One Savage. Um, as far as why I want to win this award, uh, I, as far as rap song collaboration, I'm gonna go with 
Kendrick Lamar and SZA. That's the stronger song, in my opinion. I was thinking of This Is America, but This Is America has stronger visuals than the actual song itself. So I would go with Kendrick Lamar and SZA. As far as who I think is going to win this award, um, I think it's going to be Post Malone because he is like the biggest, you know, and no pun intended, pop star slash rock star in in music right now, or one of at least, and he's a fixture in mainstream rap, and he's kind of like the he's, he's tokenized in a sense where if you if you don't really know a whole lot of a lot about rap, then you're gonna mention his name. And I also noticed that a lot of white people love Post Malone. I'm not I'm not knocking them for that, but whatever. Like nine times out of ten, if I'm having a conversation about rap music with, with a white person, you'll be like, oh my god, I love Post Malone. And I'm like, eh, typical cliche answer. Whatever. What, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But Hey, it is what it is. But rap song performance, they're like I would say Post Malone and Twenty One Savage are most likely gonna win that award. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, and then best rap performance, be careful from Cardi B. Nice for what Drake, um, King's Dead, Kendrick Lamar, J Rock, Future, and then Bublin, Anderson Pack, and then Sicko Mode, Travis Scott uh, with Drake. And Sway Lee was in that. Oh, okay, all right, cool. Um. This is a strong category too. Strong category. Uh, again, if I had to choose, if I if I was choosing the winner, I would say I would like again King's Dead because I, I think that's a dope record. Bubbling was a dope record too from from Anderson Pack. Uh, but with that said, I would say the most likely winner of that record will most likely be Cardi B or Drake for Nice for What for Drake, and then Be Careful for Cardi B. Most likely, I would say. Uh, let's see here. We are we are zooming through these, man. Now, I think we're actually getting to the, the crux of everything. So let's get to that then. Let's get to the main awards, the main awards that everyone tunes in for and what my predictions are for that in that regard. Because, again, like last year, uh, this year is definitely stacked. This year is most definitely stacked. And it's going to cause a lot of debates and what have you. Um, there may be some controversy as well, but we will find out. So, with that said, song of the year, we have all the stars. Yo, all the stars are getting all the nominations right now. Jeez. All the stars, Kendrick Lamar and SZA, uh, Boot Up, LMA, God's Plan, Drake, In My Blood, uh, Shawn Mendes, The Joke, Brandy Carlisle, The Middle, um, Zed, Mary Morris, and Gray, uh, Shallow, uh, Lady Gaga, and Bradley Cooper, and This Is America, Childish Gambino. Oh, man. This is a very strong category. Now, I, I will be completely transparent and say that I have not listened to any non – I haven't listened to any of the non-hip-hop slash R&B records in this category. Uh, but if I had to personally choose uh, again for what I would want uh, this category to win – or to come out as a victor, I would say once again, all the stars. I know I'm standing for Kendrick. I'm standing for Black Panther. I don't care. Don't judge me. Don't jealous me. <laughs> uh, but if I had to guess, as far as who is going to win, man, that's a strong category. That's a very strong category. I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a more pop friendly record. I would say Lady Gaga for Shallow. Uh, because everyone loves a good comeback story, and we haven't really seen Lady Gaga in music in quite some time. She's really been doing her thing acting for the most part. So I could definitely see Gaga winning that that award. Uh, but it's definitely a very, very hip-hop and R&B heavy category this year thus far. Uh, but anyways, let's keep it moving. Uh, and we're going to go to... 
Let's see here. We're going to go to, you know what? We're going to go to album of the year. We're going to go to album of the year. And then we'll cap it off with record of the year. So album of the year. We have Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B. Uh, we have, by the way, I Forgive You, Brandi Carlisle. Uh, Scorpion from Drake. Her from Her. Beer uh, Bongs and Bentley's Post Malone. Dirty Computer, Janelle Monet, Golden Hour, Casey Mosgraves, uh, Black Panther, the album, music from and inspired by various artists, but primarily TDE. Um, and yeah, that is a category right there. There's about eight albums in this category. Normally it's about, what, five at most, but I guess they kind of expanded it, kind of like what they did with, uh, with the Oscars this year. Um, again, you guys already know what my answer is going to be. If I had to personally choose... It would have to be the Black Panther soundtrack because that album, for me at the very least, had the most staying power. It had the most, uh, it had the, it had replay value. It had a lot of replay value. Not saying that these albums didn't, but as far as what I heard this year, out of all these albums, mind you, I haven't heard all of these albums. I've only heard only other album I've heard in this category to be completely transparent is um, is uh, Scorpion from Drake. Those, that's the only album that, that I've listened to in this category. Uh, so, with that being said, if I had to give an objective take as far as who I think is going to win this category for album of the year, oh man, album of the, I mean, we haven't seen, I mean, well, we had Bruno Mars win, uh, album of the year last year, and he's considered, well, he's considered pop, I would say, but his album 24 Karat was very hip-hop and R&B, like, it was New Jack Swing, it was hardcore, um, so he's someone who operates in and outside of hip hop. So I know a lot of people would debate as to whether or not he's considered uh, a member of the hip hop community. I'll consider him that, but I'm sure somebody, I'm sure many people would want somebody who's more consistently in the realm. Again, I think he is, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so outside of Bruno Mars, we haven't really seen someone from that community win in the uh, album of the year category since Outkast, and that was 2004. So with that said, I would love to see a hip-hop act win this. Like, I would love to see the Black Panther album win this. Drake, I don't think it was album of the year even in rap, but if it's a win, if it means a win for rap, then I'll take it. Um, man, I don't even know. I haven't heard Janelle Monae's project, but I wouldn't be mad if she won that. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Uh, I don't want Post Malone winning that award. I'm sorry, man. Like I, I just think uh, that he's another. He's no. We're not talking about Post Malone right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, man, you know what? I really don't have an answer for this. I, in all honesty, I really don't have an answer for this because again, this category is stacked. Um, man, I really don't have an answer for this. But you know what? For the sake of argument, as far as who I think is going to win, it'll probably it'll probably be either Janelle Monet or Cardi B. It'll be one of those two. It'll be one of those two. Or Drake, because he has a strong name in music as well. Um, but I would love to see the Black Panther album win so badly. And finally, for record of the year, record of the year, we have I Like It from Cardi B and Bad Bunny, The Joke, Brandy Carlisle, this is America, Childish Gambino, God's Plan, Drake, Shallow, Lady Gaga, All the Stars, uh, Kendrick Lamar, SZA, Rockstar, Post Malone, and The Middle, Zed, Marin Morris, and Gray. You guys already know my answer for who I who I would want to win that award. Um, obviously, Kendrick and SZA. Uh, as far as who was going to win this award, 
again, strong category, very strong category. But if I had to choose for record of the year, because they usually give it to a pop song. So if I if I'm thinking with pop sensibilities, I would go with Shallow from Lady Gaga. I would go with Drake with God's Plan, or I would go with I Like It from Cardi B. One of those three has the strongest chance of winning that award for record of the year. And that is my take on all the major categories that involved hip-hop and R&B acts. What do you guys think? That was a pretty long breakdown. I wasn't expecting it to be that long. But either way, let me know what you guys think and break it down to me on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. Coming up after the break, man, we're going to get into trip talk. So three of the hottest topics that took over pop culture. So with that said, we'll be right back after the break. This is Cool Radio. Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, let's get into trip talk, all right? So three of the hottest topics that took over pop culture, basically. And we're going to break it down right now. So let's get into it. So first topic we got. 21 Savage is facing deportation. So it was later discovered, you know, this past week that he is he was not, in fact, born in the U.S., but was actually born in the U.K. and came over here uh, when he was younger, and he had a, a visa permit, but it expired, and he never got he never went back to re-register for it, and somehow this became pertinent information, and therefore, because of that. He has now been discovered by ICE, which is basically the um, immigration committee, and they are now uh, preparing, you know, deportation for him and his family. So, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about this, and of course, with the internet, the internet stays undefeated, and so there are a lot of memes that are going out uh, talking about the immigration and what have you. And as Twitter users and social media users do, they will have fun and make gripes and what have you. Um, and I think the I think what this person did in particular, she I'm not saying she crossed the line, but she shouldn't have been the one to say something, basically. Um, and I'm talking about Demi Lovato, okay? Now, Demi Lovato, who is recently just recovering from uh, an overdose of drugs, basically decided to chime in on the whole 21 Savage meme sweepstakes and basically commented on how funny one of the memes were. And when she did that, everyone paused, looked at her, and said, shame, shame, shame. So a lot of people were kind of getting at her, and one person who kind of checked her on it, not disrespectfully, but just kind of said, hey, whoa, whoa, chill, was Wale. And Wale basically said, I don't have the exact quote or anything, but Wale said, you know, deportation isn't funny. Like, I don't get what the joke is here. And then Demi Lovato tried to clap back and say, oh, so that sounds like Wale uh, probably mad and salty at me because he tried sending me a DM that, I've, that I haven't responded back to yet. And then Wale didn't take the bait. He said, yo, I'm not going to diss you. Like, this is deportation we're talking about here. Like, this isn't a laughing matter. And, like, I would... Figure that you, in the situation that you were in, you wouldn't be taking shots at other people as well. And I, I pray for you. I think he said something along those lines. So a lot of people just started checking Demi Lovato. And then it came to a point where she basically blocked all of her mentions and deleted her comment section on Instagram because everyone was just getting at her. And 
I posed a question on my uh, Instagram feed uh, earlier in the week, and I asked, essentially, you know, is it okay for Demi Lovato to be getting the backlash despite so many other people jumping in? And so I had some people comment, and I respect everyone's comments and what have you, and everyone had a lot of great insight. Um, and I think it comes down to this. When you are a public figure who's in the spotlight and who was recently who recently had the spotlight magnified on them because of drug-related stories, then you may be the wrong person to deliver that message. Now, I'm not saying it's right for anyone in general because, you know, this is deportation we're talking about. And I know 21 Savage kind of comes across as... You know, someone have a laughable figure based on his on his appearance with the tattoos on his face and the grills and what have you. But when we're talking about deportation, it's like, ugh, like that's a hot button issue right now because of the fact that we're talking about immigration. We're talking about building a wall. I mean, there was a story that broke out earlier this week as well that apparently, you know, America sent back you know thousands of people who were trying to fly in from Ghana. So it's just like this is a, a very very sensitive issue that a lot of people are dealing with right now, especially as it pertains to a lot of people of color. So that's why we saw such an influx of people coming to the defense of 21 Savage, especially when it comes to, especially when it came to uh, Demi Lovato, because you, she just got over her own little controversy and now she feels as though she can, you know, kind of jump in and chime in and what have you. And I don't think she made a meme. I think she just commented on, how funny one of the memes were. Like, one of the memes was, it was a meme of, like, an old-school Mont Blanc pen. It's, like, one of those pens that you had the feather on. And I think the, the the caption was, oh, this is how 21 Savage writes his rhymes. And, like, that's an old British style of pen or utensil to use when you're writing. So we're talking, like, 15th century or something like that. So I, I get the joke. Like, I, I get it. And I think she commented on that. And I think people were like, whoa, hold on, hold on. We can laugh at this. But you can't. You know what I mean? And and that's why I, I kind of had trouble maneuvering through, you know, somewhat of the double standard or, or the hypocrisy that may come with it as well. Because you got regular average Joes who are making memes about it and laughing their asses off and creating memes like that. I'm not going to lie. The meme was kind of creative. I'll give them that. But then when you have a celebrity like Demi Lovato, not even create her own meme, but just comment on how funny it was. Then it's like, oh, well, hold on. We're taking this seriously. You can't just say that. So, I don't know. Like, I'm a little up and down. And, like, I get it. She went through her own ish that, like, she can't really comment on anyone else's ish about because hers was pretty public. But then at the same time, it's like, are we not meant to keep that same energy towards other people who may not happen to be famous as well? So, I'm a little confused with that. I'm just a little confused. Maybe it's because she's, she's, uh, she's not black. Maybe that's the reason why, you know, a lot of people are getting at her in regards to that. And I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong. I'm just trying to figure out. Where the line is, like, where do we draw the line in that regard? <clears throat> but you guys tell me, where should we draw the line in this case of, you know, possible deportation as it pertains to 21 Savage? You know, are we right Are we right to laugh at the memes? Are we right to, or are we wrong to, uh, you know, denigrate, you know, Demi Lovato? Or are should we be checking Demi Lovato for her hypocrisy? But then should we also be checking on, on other people, black or not black, who are making jokes and memes about the deportation case as well. Either way, let me know. Hit me up on all social media platforms, at Cool Radio CC, and share your thoughts. <clears throat> now, keeping up with that story kind of ties into another story as well. Because among the people who were you know, laughing at the expense 
of 21 Savage was Chris Brown. And Chris Brown, you know, was laughing at a meme of 21 Savage. And it was basically a video of the cypher for XXL. And instead of his actual vocals, they took a dub of the vocals of Big Shaq doing his Man's Not Hot freestyle. And I'm like, okay, that that's kind of creative too. I came in front. That's very creative. But then Offset said, basically told him on social media, listen, it's not a game. It's not funny. So kind of going back to the point that I was talking about as far as, you know, uh, people who are black or not black commenting on it, at least with Offset, he's kind of keeping that same energy in that regard. So I can give him credit for that. But nonetheless, he told Chris Brown to fall back, essentially. And then Chris Brown got heated and kind of had some sort of outer body tough guy experience experience where he was threatening the guy, talking about, yo, pull up, pull up, we'll fight right now, we'll fight right now. He goes into his DMs, starts commenting them, yo, pull up, this is my address right here. And I just don't see how it escalated to that point. Now, I don't know if Chris Brown and Offset have prior history, and maybe that's why he snapped. But there's no reason for Chris Brown to be like, yo, pull up. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. da 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 Over Offset Basie just saying, yo, fall back. This isn't funny. That's my man right there. He's about to get deported. Let's not laugh at the situation. I don't see the reason for Chris Brown to hype up on social media and tell Offset that he's about to give him hands. It it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all whatsoever. So I don't know if this is... Another case of Chris Brown being erratic because he's on a heavy dose of drugs. I don't know if he was having a bad day that day, but either way, I don't think it was anything worth <clears throat> hyping up over. It really wasn't worth it. So I feel like that outburst stems from a prior issue that he may have had with the Migos. I don't know if he did. I don't know if Offset was hitting on Karuchi at one point in time. I have no idea. But Chris Brown is a head case in his own regard. He deserves his own his own podcast special. But nonetheless, that was like yet another beef within hip-hop that we've seen over the last, you know, 12 months, give or take. So, I don't know. That was weird. I just saw that as Offset defending his boy. And Chris Brown just took it to a whole other level, which he didn't need to. But that's just my take on that. What do you guys think? Is there a prior issue that these guys have had, which is why he snapped? Or is Chris Brown just being, you know, a fake thug once again? Either way... Let me know what your thoughts are. Hit me up on uh, social media at CoolRadioCC and share your thoughts on that. Uh, and then the final topic in Trip Talk I want to get to, man. This one was weird. This one was really weird, man. I got to talk about Liam Neeson, all right? Mr. Taken, Mr. Qui-Gon Jinn. Basically, every movie since Taken that he's been in has been a remake of Taken, essentially. I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. Someone's taking his son hostage or his daughter hostage. Someone's taking something or someone that he loves hostage, all right? <clears throat> now, while he was on a press junket for his new film, which is, once again, about somebody stealing something or someone from him and him going on a killing rampage for it, uh, he got into a story where he told you know uh, somebody from the independents that he once had an in, what, inquenchable thirst to kill a quote-unquote black bastard. Now, I was like, whoa, 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 really? Another one out the woodworks, really? So 
you know, I, I investigated the story, and he was basically discussing a story, or not, well, not a story, but a time that was recanted to him by a friend of his who was raped a long time ago. And she said to him that it was a black man who raped her. So he was basically saying how, while he was in, I think he was in Ireland at the time, is what he said, that he wanted to go off and kill the next black person that he saw. But he said the term black bastard. So he goes on Good Morning America to have a conversation with Robin Roberts. And they're talking about this. And, you know, he's giving his tale about it. And then he was also referring to how it was a difficult period in time in in Ireland where you had Protestants going against uh, Catholics and what have you. Um, And he was saying how all that negativity was was brooding on the inside of him. And then when it came to his friend getting raped and him wanting to find the um, alleged suspect who just so happened to be a black person, that his mindset was, I'm going to find the next black bastard I see or whatever. So before I get into my spiel, let me just say this. What I found interesting about that was the fact that this wasn't a tweet that somebody dug up and, and discovered or whatever the case may be. He said this on his own validity. He said this on his own accord. He used his own agency to say that, yes, at one point in time, I had these racist feelings towards black people because of this incident that happened. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> pardon me. While I can at least give him give him a modicum of credit for being transparent about that moment in time that he went through, what I don't understand is why does the person have to be a black bastard? That's what I want to know. Like, if she's describing, if this friend is describing the person and this person, and she happens to say this person's black, I get it. You, you want almost as many descriptive details as possible to pinpoint the person who did it. Not to say that he's going to go on a, on, a, on a revenge rampage, but at least report that information to the police at some point in time. But why does he have to be a, a black bastard? Why couldn't the person who raped her just be a bastard? Why does his race have to be another factor in your discontent with this individual? Like, if it were a white guy, would you say, oh, that white bastard? Would you say that that Protestant bastard? Like, why does it have to be a black bastard? And when you hear comments like this, you have to, like, people who don't understand why black people as a whole, no matter whether they're from whether they're from America, Jamaica, Ghana, whatever the case may be, they have to understand why black people feel on edge, why they feel like they're a target all the time, why they are targets all the time because of this type of mentality. Like it's not enough that this assailant had to be a bastard, but a black one at that, meaning that being black is a sin, that it's a bad thing. These are things, these are ideals that have been held up by white supremacy for the longest time since the dawn of man. And if we're talking about more modern times within North America, since at least the 1500s when slavery became a huge thing in, in North America. And I could go on for days about that, but I don't have enough time to do that. I'm sure we already know the story with that. So I would like to think that Liam Neeson understands now at age, whatever he is, I think he's like in his like, He's at least in his 50s. Got to be approaching 60s. But I would like to think that he now understands the error of his ways. And I haven't seen any, well, to be honest, I haven't seen any type of racist behavior from him at all until today. But I would like to think that he learned from this experience. 
I don't know why he chose now to reveal that that story. I don't know if he used it as a way to sell his movie. And if he didn't, he's a piece of shit for that, to be honest. But I would like to hope that he's learned from that mistake. And I, I would hope that he is learning going forward, you know, with his life and all aspects of life, what to say, what not to say, and what not to think as well, to be honest. Because it's a terrible thing that happened to his friend. And I'm not wishing that anyone. But, again... He didn't have to, that person didn't have to be a black bastard. I think that person, to be honest, is a bastard who just happened to be black. That's it. That's case closed. It shouldn't be a black bastard. It should be an Asian bastard, whatever the case may be. It should just be that bastard. I'm going to get that bastard. And as he's describing the story, it's not like he's going to find that person specifically. He was looking for any black person. So, again, that's very destructive behavior. Like, what if it was an innocent black person who had nothing to do with anything, didn't know you or your or your friend who got raped or anything of the, of the course? You could have beaten up an innocent black individual based off of your predetermined hatred for black people because of that one black person who just happened to be black that raped your friend. And these are the reasons as to why a lot of black people are either getting beaten up by the police unjustly or getting killed by the police unjustly or the victims of racial profiling and other types of systemic racism within America and within the world, to be honest. So I hope that he took that as a teaching moment to learn the reasons as to why black people are often guilty until proven innocent or are often prosecuted or are often, you know, being given the conviction before there's even a trial. I would hope going forward that he has learned from this mistake. And I'm not going to say, you know, cancel uh, uh, Liam Neeson. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to. I don't think there's enough reasonable grounds to cancel him. Um, But I think it's very fair that we should keep our eye on him at the very least to see what he says next. But either way, do you agree? Do you disagree with that? Uh, Let me know. Hit me up on social media on all platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. (coughs) Pardon me. And now it is time for the end of the show, and you already know what that means. With that said, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. This week's Wankster of the Week is going to none other than Gucci. Gucci, the uh, the high end fashion company from Italy, is getting the wanks of the week. Why? Excuse me. Why are they getting the wanks of the week? You ask. They are getting the wanks of the week because they have recently put out a line of belaclavas, which are ski masks essentially, that feature red lips. All right, red lips on the on the mouth portion, and the belaclavas are black. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They put out. Blackface ski masks for their winter collection. And no one thought that it was a bad idea. Not one person. Not one. Not one. But anyways, I digress. Um, so it was made, it was, it was discovered that, or not even discovered, like they put it out. That was their new line. And then when it reached online, Twitter had something to say about it, of course, and rightfully so. And when they were getting so much backlash off of it. They took it off their shelves, and they put out a press release saying, oh, we apologize, we didn't mean to offend anyone, yada, 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 we already know how this goes. Man, I feel like Black History Month this year 
is being disrespected on so many fronts. You know, on the lower end, you got people, you know, scoffing at the idea of Black Panther being nominated for an Oscar for, for best, uh, best Picture. Then you got Liam Neeson's story talking about how he wants to kill a black bastard. And then now you got this. Like, I don't understand. Like, why must black people be disrespected on so many levels? Like, why can't we just be people? Why can't we have nice things? Why can't you just leave the past alone? Like, blackface is something that has been ingrained in America's history as far as the denigration of black people. It goes all the way back to, you know, blackface performances where white people would smear their faces in black face paint and then wear red lipstick to to mimic the stereotypical patterns of black people, to lampoon them in a sense. And this has been around in America for over 100 years. And you don't think for a second that not one person has thought to themselves and said, oh, this is kind of offensive. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, the total lack of empathy and, and, and self-awareness and, and the tone-deaf tone actions of these high-end conglomerates. Now, I'm not surprised that a company like Gucci, who, who basically tailors their, their brands to upper-middle-class Europeans, in a sense, and sure, if a black person wears Gucci, then cool, okay, whatever, sure, go ahead and wear our stuff, nigger, okay, that's fine. We don't like you, but we like your money, so okay. You would think that they would have, like, some sort of sense in knowing and recognizing that maybe this may not be good. You know, not, not even from a sensitivity standpoint or from a, a morale standpoint, I should say, but at least from a marketing standpoint. Like like I just said, they have black consumers. And wouldn't they think to themselves that this may turn off their black consumers? I don't know what the percentage of black consumers they have, but don't you think even for a second that it would turn them off and they would then therefore boycott the whole thing? I mean, did they not learn from H&M last year or two years ago, whenever it was, when it was the whole coolest ape in the jungle thing? Like, ugh. The, the, the lack of awareness is what really drives me nuts. I'm not surprised they did it, but it's just how stupid they were with their approach. Like, it wasn't even subliminal. It was blatant. Like, a black ski mask in all black with red, big red exaggerated lips. And you don't think for one second... Someone wasn't going to say something? I'm sorry, Gucci, but, man, y'all got the... I mean, what, what am I saying? No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all that I'm giving you the wanks of the week. I, I have no sympathy in giving you the wanks of the week. You absolutely deserve the wanks of the week. The hell am I talking about? I just want to see what Soldier Boy does <laughs> going forward. Because remember, we saw him in the Breakfast Club in his Gucci tracksuit, in his Gucci headband, and his half-dozen chains looking like a broke version of... Of what's it called? Of of little boozy or just old, like he looks like little boozy right now. He looks like he failed the ten year challenge. But anyways, that's either here or there. Um, <laughs> Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> Sorry, but no, Gucci, Gucci. You're getting the wanks of the week, and you absolutely deserve it. Do you deserve it? One hundred percent. I'm gonna drop it on you just like this. And that about does it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you guys for tuning in as you normally do, and for the.
podcast listeners as well. Thank you for tuning in as well. Um, next week, we have recording artist Julia Tynes in studio. She was uh, a guest of ours last year, and we were bringing her back once again. We're going to talk some new music and all that good stuff. But make sure you always ke- uh, keep on lock for Cool Radio on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. And catch all past episodes on our SoundCloud page at Cool Radio CC. We'll, we will be expanding to other platforms as well uh, in the near future. So I will give you an update on all that good stuff. And shouts to uh, our sponsor, uh, Live at the Six blog, live at the six.com. They have a blog and they discuss anything when it comes to entertainment, sports, lifestyle, fashion, education, all that good stuff. Make sure you check them out at live at the six.com. All right. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.